It has been a while, but college football is continuing on here, as is the podcast. Ted Robinson, Yogi Roth, Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Welcome back or welcome to it. This is the place. You want Pac-12 football, we got you covered. Ted, good to see your face. You've been doing tennis. You've been busy. I missed you, man. Well, I, Yogi, I, mean, I miss, and it's so wonderful to hear just the word football, because as much as I love my work with Tennis Channel, I was on the air 27 straight days, and that's a lot of <laughs> Second serve <laughs> and <laughs> deuce. And so now I need I need my football dose again because we we kicked off spring football for Pac-12 Network at Cal, which was a lot of fun. And now I know you've had a chance to see a few others since then. So why don't we why don't we do this chronologically? Uh Cal, where I actually had it, you know, we saw them, they played a game, they took it, you know, as about as seriously as you can take a, a spring football game was a ton of fun. And I, I don't know, I walked away feeling pretty good about what maybe the third straight year we said this feeling pretty good about what Justin Wilcox has going there. Yeah. And the, there was two big takeaways for me. One was Chase Garbers best I've ever seen him best I've ever seen him. And I think it's fair to say this offense is the best fit for him under Bill Musgrave. And he just operated right. Play action pass touchdown on the first drive, a power pass to his left. I can see it right now talking about it. And he's looking like a command. And I, I talked to Coach Wilcox afterwards, and we were all hanging out. And he said he had his most complete spring. So that was storyline one. Uh, storyline two was the unfortunate news of Brett Johnson. Yeah. He's an all, he's a first, not a first round. He, he's, an, he's an NFL player. I think he's a first or second day pick, pending what his season would have been. We won't know what that season will be, so we'll have to see it again. And the next time around, they came out with that news uh, earlier this week. Uh, he was involved in an unfortunate accident, for those that don't know, and he's talented. So, so that was a bummer, but I still think this team has the chance to legitimately compete for the North Championship. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I was so impressed with the way, and again, it's a spring, but the way that Bill Musgrave They've now, as we have previously talked about, they brought in another coach on, on the offense with a ton of experience in Jeep Chris. But I mean, saying it's a lot of brain power, a lot of experience, clearly pro influence. And I, I just thought the fact that they have several running backs they can mix in. And obviously now, the, I think what we wait to see in the, in the fall will be, you know, who emerges as their receivers and tight end. Man, they had some good looking tight ends there, didn't they? Man, they did. They finally can do it. You know, like they, they, they have an identity, they have a style, and they know how they want to get there. So if they can keep Christopher Brown healthy, yeah. I can't wait to call a game. He could be the thumper back in this offense. The change of pace back, they have other talented backs. You know, they got some young players coming in as well. And then a Jeremiah Hunter at wide receiver. Right, So they have someone who can stretch the field. He's a player who got injured last year in practice, never got to see him play in a game. I mean, at the end of his career, I think he'll be an all-conference player, if not more. I think he's got real NFL ceiling. So I, I'm pumped. And then they're super seniors. When you comp them to the rest of the conference, them, ASU, UCLA, to me, lead the dialogue in that regard. So these are players coming back for the bonus year of eligibility per NCAA rules from the pandemic year. Coin Dang, we didn't think we'd get him. Cameron Good, we didn't think we'd get him. Michael Safel, most entertaining center you could argue in college football, <laughs> didn't think they'd get him. Yeah. So I, I like that veteran side of this team. Well, uh, how about the, and the last one on Cal? Coin Deng's going to move his position a little bit. What's your what's yes. your what was your feel on that? 
I like it. I mean, he's so disruptive in the passing game when he was playing inside backer, right? Remember the Stanford Cal game we called? Uh, might have been the last regular season game we called on site somewhere. No, we had the, we had the Oregon Oregon State game the week Oregon, after. Yeah. But his he's, his wingspan is insane, right? So he was great disrupting passing lanes, but the dropping, the the meeting the running backs or meeting you know the the run fits at inside back was a little challenge for him. So he moves outside. And I'm excited to see this guy play that position and let him roam. Let the man do what he does. Playing outside backer, probably a more natural position for him. And I think he's a 3-4 backer in the NFL as well. So, so I like that for him. Yeah. All right. Then you go to ASU. And, and, and a little bit like Cal, you know, ASU really – it's hard. it was hard for me because they didn't really have much of a season at all in 2020. But now it's the third year going around. Third year for Jaden Daniels with, with Herm in that offense. Uh, what, what I didn't see it, so tell me what you brought home from there. Today, right, Utah and SC just played over the week, and we'll get to them. But today, yeah. with what I've seen with my eyes, they're my favorite in the South. Ooh. And, and I'd take them over Cal. They're the only team I've seen in the North. So I'd take them as the Pac-12 favorite. Here we are in, you know, the 20th of April. Reason being, they don't have questions. Like, I'm not like, oh, my God, do they have a receiver that can – be the part right they've got i think the two of the top running backs in the country rashad white chip Trainum. they're 1a and 1b in this conference for me which i'm not afraid to stay like i say that i know there's a lot of talented backs but i think these two are the most talented based on what we saw their offensive line kellen deach donovan west ladarius henderson he moves to a natural position for them inside at guard i really like this offensive line at receiver I really like the group. Elijah Badger will be the name you need to know coming out of spring practice. Jordan Porter's played a lot. They have guys, Johnny Wilson. These guys were all freshmen last year for the most part, thrust into a very awkward season with the amount of breaks that they had due to COVID. And then defensively, Jermaine Lolay, Michael Matus, they're all conference players in the defensive line. They get in a transfer, Trevez Moore from LSU, a legit defensive end. Linebacker. Merlin Robertson was the guy who I thought was 100% gone. He's got a family. You would have thought he would have left. Came back for their unfinished business, in air quotes. Darian Butler, multi-year team captain. Chase Lucas, I don't know about you, Ted. I've never heard of a five-year starter at corner in my life. Jack Jones returns. Uh, 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 Antonio Pierce's son is a safety. They, They return him at safety. Evan Fields at safety. I mean, they have legit depth and they're nfl players so i i judge that man i think there's 10 to 14 nfl draft picks might not be first round and then of course Jaden daniels didn't even reference him at quarterback right. what does that tell you about program that that all of these players you just mentioned a lot of marquee names in in this conference many of whom had the opportunity to go and they almost all come back frank darby did go but almost all come back what does it tell you healthy yeah. It's healthy. I mean, think yeah. of COVID, right? Like there's p- things that you and I did not want to do during COVID because I mean, we had to do that once already. Do I want to really go repeat that? Right. Everybody can relate to that to their own lives, whether it's their kids at school and zoom school. I don't want to repeat that ever again. I'm cool with no more zoom school. Uh, so we sent our kid to school, right? Your grandkids are going to school. These kids aren't trying to go to the next school. They're not trying to go to the NFL. They want to come on back. They want more from Herm. And I think what Herm did was so brilliant. You would have loved it. Their pro day was Monday after their spring game. Their spring game was Sunday. They had one player at their pro day. It was um, Frank Darby. So all the scouts were there on Sunday 
to see all the players I just referenced. So it's the pro model, he said, from day one. We didn't know what it was. It's planned to fruition. Uh, and the team knows what's at stake. They want to get to a Rose Bowl. They want to go to the playoff. I think they embrace that. Uh, they worked really hard. A lot of guys had veteran days. That's Herm's mentality since he got there. But the focus remained elite in my eyes. And they brought us really talented freshmen, like guys that look different than the guys he brought in year one. So I'm, I'm just a big fan of where they're at. And I think it's a it's a legit year for them. So you said favorite in the South for you right now. You also mentioned another key phrase, offensive line, which now brings me to USC. You had a chance to see their game. They, you know, and they had the they had the the fallout that every coach fears about playing a game. They lost a quarterback, sadly, to an ACL. But let's start with that because that's been my thing. You know, I've been jumping on the USC O line. Yes. Well, I'm afraid to ask what you say. Well, it's tough because it was practice nine. So they have two weeks left to spring football, which is very unique. Sometimes we've seen teams with a few days, two practices after their spring game. That's happened many places before. So what do they do in their game is they split up the O-line. So the O-line that was practicing together, you know, for the majority of spring, they split it into two squads because they, they, they aren't locked and loaded. Who's going to be who? Uh, some of their best offensive linemen weren't even there, right? Uh, they're potentially their highest ceiling offensive lineman is uh, I'm pulling it up right now. His sister was drafted number one in the WNBA draft, uh, Collier, right? Uh, really talented guy. Yep. His, uh, Casey, I believe, is, is, the, uh, is the brother. Um, really talented guy. He, he wasn't even there. But I, I like the players, like Cortland Ford. He's their left tackle, probably going to be the guy. Voorhees, Brett Nealon, Liam Jimmins, Jalen McKenzie, they've all played. Now, one might not argue they didn't play at a dramatically elite level in the run game a year ago, but they played a lot. Uh, and then they've got this second-year group of players, uh, Collier being one of them, uh, Andrew Millick being one of them, Courtney Ford being one of them. So two years ago, they bring in this class that isn't sexy. It's ranked towards the bottom in the Pac-12, but a lot of them roll linemen, and now they're thrust into it. So just to paint some picture there, the context. Number two, new O-line coach, Clay McGuire. So everybody's air raid now on this staff. You go up and down it. Mike Jinks is an air raid guy. He came from Texas Tech, went to Bowling Green as the head coach. He's on this staff. Seth Day gets elevated to full-time tight ends coach. We know what Graham Harrell is about. Uh, but as I talked to Clay Helton about it and went out to a couple practices, their run game is going to shift a little bit. You're going to see two backs in the backfield a little bit more than often. They got in. A, they brought in a transfer from Texas who's really talented in Keontae Ingram. I think yeah. he can be the thumper of the group. And I think we'll see some changes in the run game. I know they want to run it. Graham wants to run it. We talked to him about it. It's not like he doesn't. To me, the thing we need to see is can they get off the line of scrimmage and jolt a defensive line sure. versus the side-to-side -side running game that we've seen at times. So I, the jury's still out for me. It is the biggest question mark for this team as a hit in the season. And, and so did you see anything in, in the practice-slash-spring event that uh, goes back to the pod we did about Air Raid where – hey, at some point you put a tight end on the field or an H-back, extra people to block, as we said Kingsbury has done in the NFL. At times you have to do that. Is USC going to do that? I think they are. And the challenge was that Jude Wolf didn't play. He's kind of that tight end for them. He's still recovering from an injury. Eric Kromenhoek might want to be the most impressive players or had one of the most more impressive nine practices among the players at SC. He's, he's a true true tight end. They have a freshman, Lake McCree, who's played a lot. Uh, Ethan Ray is a little banged up, so he didn't he didn't really go a ton. 
But overall, I think this group wants to run the football. I really do. I'm looking forward to them doing it. Uh, we know who they are. We, we know what their DNA is. But overall, the running game is going to get better. It just is. It's a focal point, man. They, they've done goal line, short yardage. That is a daily thing. They'll, how about this one? And I know SC fans will love this. Padded practices. If all goes well over the next week and a half, they'll have 11 of 15 practices be fully padded. That's a mindset for them. Their defense is physical. That was a huge takeaway for me. Clay knows the pains. He's a son of an O-line coach. You, we didn't have to ask him twice about the run game. He offered that up. So for SC fans, like, stay optimistic. I think it's trending in the right direction. I think it's good for them, too. My final thought is they made a change on the O-line as a coach, and I think it's the right move, right? You know, the coach that was there is extremely respected in the O-line circles, been in the NFL, um, you know, been all over. You, you've known him for a long time. But they brought in somebody who knows the system in the air raid. And I think that's going to make this thing better. I think they're all in on this thing now. And it's going to be fun when you and I get there to tr- get there for training camp. Yeah. How Drake London look? He's he's the top offensive player in the conference. Whoa! Wow. Yeah, and I we talked about it after the season. He was my pick for offensive player of the year. No, no offense to Jarek Broussard or any of the talented players, but I just think no one's found a way to stop him. And they put him at outside receiver all spring because he plays the slot and he stopped playing basketball for the first time in his life. So he's at a full off season. We interviewed him a bunch. Um, He's he's real. They couldn't stop him all spring. He's making every catch away from his body. He's so physically more defined than he was a year ago. Uh, I, I love it. I like that group. Casey or Kerry Colbert's done a really nice job developing that group uh, because there's no stars, right? Yeah. Amon Ra's gone. Pittman's long gone. Tyler Vaughn's is gone. So it's Brew McCoy. Who are some of these new receivers? It, that'll be a fun thing to track because you know they're going to get their touches. Well, how significant is and help me with his pronunciation is Hassan. Yeah, Mo Hassan. Yeah, Mo Hassan, uh, ACL. Unfortunately, who <laughs> yeah. apparently in the mix for the backup spot. That's been important on air raid teams in our conference. We've seen that that you know the quarterback can can get hit. So yeah, it, it was a bummer yeah. because he every practice you go to, okay, you watch Keaton because he's Keaton, yeah. then you watch the two freshmen because of recruiting but Mo Hassan kept standing out to me like this guy kind of he, he can operate he can manage he won a game at Vanderbilt it's not like he's a former walk-on that can just deal and he's done a nice job so I don't think it's major detriment to the team because I think Jackson Dart and Miller Moss are the future there and I think in this system you can play young we saw it with Keaton Slovis yeah, uh, yeah. and these guys have both had a lot of reps in the spring, much like Keaton did prior to him coming in for JT Daniels. So it's not the end of the world. It's not like if it happened at Washington or Stanford or some of these other places where you lose a veteran backup. Uh, but it's a bummer because the kid, the guys loved him. He's got a great personality. Uh, he was fun watching him. Mean, he, he's the, the best looking of the group physically. I mean, he looks the part. He's all a six, three and a half, 200 plus. Uh, he's rocked up, but uh, unfortunately for him, yeah, he's, He's done for the year, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, what did you hear from Utah? So Utah, Charlie Brewer. Uh, I listened into the call with Coach Whittingham and the staff prior to. They're all about this guy. And he went 15 for 15 with a couple tugs, I think, in the first half before shutting it down. Uh, Britton Covey, our former intern here on this <laughs> podcast, he raves about him. Britton played extremely well. 
That's nice to hear. I do just just a bombshell on me. I guess Britain is a one and done guy for us, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, we we, we, we give them off when they got to compete. We'll see. We'll, we'll bring, if you're listening in Britain, you let us know if you want to. We want to yeah. come on back, man. Doors open. Uh, with that said, though, it's very clear there's a two man race. Cam Rising and Charlie Brewer are going to compete for this thing. And what was fun is when I talked to Andy Ludwig, I asked him this question. I said, "Hey, rumor has it." that you're taking shots down the field a little bit more than in past years. And he was very clear, very stoic. He said, Yogi, we're going to build our offense around our quarterback. And Charlie Brewer played in 39 games in college and a bunch more in high school where he was in the gun the whole time. So we're not going to try to make somebody, somebody they're not. He can throw. He's a passer. We're going to throw the ball. So that, that was fun to hear. You know, uh, Remember, they lost a receiver, transferred to Arizona State. Uh, one of their, you know, I, I think better receivers, you know, who will get to ASU in the summer. Uh, but overall, the, the group was impressive, right? We're talking about legit tight ends, Brant Keithy being a real guy, Cole Fotheringham, Solomon Enos at wide receiver, uh, Jalen Dixon, who was in the portal, came back out of the portal. Yeah, the big question mark was their receiving core. Yes. And they made plays. They made plays in the game against the defense that I think benefited the most from the pandemic 2020 season because they were so young. Ah. Uh-huh. Especially at yeah, the secondary, that was going to be the conversation, right? Yeah, JT Broughton, remember him, Jatravius uh, Broughton uh, out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think he's the next, the next great one there at corner. I really do. Him and Clark Phillips are a pretty, pretty nasty wow. duo. Well, um, and, and uh, you know, again, I don't mean to dwell on negative stuff there, but obviously they have a running back, you know, sad hole to fill. What did you see there? Yeah, uh, they feel like they got a good group, right? They bring in a transfer, uh, two transfers in, Oklahoma, LSU transfers. They, they have players that have been there before, and Micah Bernard. Um, so they feel good. They're, they're bringing another young running back, I believe, in, in training camp. So I, I like the group, right? They're going to be physical. Nick Ford, he didn't go in the game, but he's the guy. He's playing center now, right, which might be his most natural position uh, for the next level, but definitely the most natural position for this offense. You think about it. He's played all over this line. We've, we've called games where he's on our board has been tackle, guard, guard, tackle. I mean, he's done everything. So I, re- I really like him. Uh, Mika Tafua is an all-pack 12 edge rusher. So, they're, you know, they're getting great work every day on the defensive line. And Devin Lloyd has got a chance to be the defensive player of the year in the conference at linebacker. I, mean, he, I think he's that real. Uh, so I'm excited for him. You know, I think they get back to that Utah defense. Coach Whittingham said that they had the same uh, – work ethic and competitiveness and spirit as the team in 2019. He said, they still got to prove it, yeah. but he goes, they, cause he kept talking about him, Ted. And I'm like, coach, I got to ask. Cause it sounds like your tone is the same as it was a couple of years ago. And he said, yo, you're right. Like that's, that's how I feel about this group. So in the South SC, ASU, Utah, man, it's, that's it's cool. going to be fun. And we haven't even talked to UCLA. We'll, we'll see them at the end of the month, at the end yeah. of May. Um, by the way, is the portal still going? I mean, obviously, I know it's. Is, are there still players there that people will get for this coming fall? Yeah, what's interesting now is because of the FCS season, players are entering the portal. That's right. right? That season just right. got so you kind of got film on somebody, and you can okay. draft them if you want. Uh, Utah, they made it known they're going to go try to pick up a receiver after spring ball. I think most teams kind of hit pause. Uh, I think everybody wants the same thing. Another O-lineman, another skill guy. Uh, Washington has done really well. We'll talk about them next week on the pod uh, in the portal. 
They've been really active at the skill position, uh, filling out their roster with some needs. Remember, they lost their top receiver in the portal and Pukunuku, right. arguably. So, so, but the thing, so you're saying there's going to be another wave, you think, coming in now that the we we forget the FCS played spring. So, yeah, I think there'll be a wave, but I think it'll be in the ones and twos, not in the fours and fives of players. You know, because uh-huh. there's just not enough spots. Right. You know, for teams scholarship wise, in my opinion, even though everybody can come back, NCAA is still limiting you to your your number. Right. Yeah. They got to be at 85. So how people pay for that number, how the athletic department deals with that number is their own respective issue. Uh, but but I think like Arizona, for instance, I'm heading there on Thursday. They're, they want they're going to get one more in the portal. Who will it be? I don't know. Maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a defense. Don Brown wants it to be a defensive player. That was his quote the other day uh, in one of the articles that I read out of, out in Tucson. So I don't think it's done, uh, but I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as it was after the season. Yeah. So maybe that's a great place for us to swing to. Uh, we're going to do an express pod here. Yeah. Uh, is Arizona coming up this weekend? And I've just been talking a little bit with our, our friend and a longtime colleague of mine, Glenn Parker, who of course is a, is a cat and is working for the U of A right now. He's a buzz about this week, the spring game, as you're listening to it. I hope you're listening to it before the spring game happens this weekend. But the fact that he thinks there could be up to 50 alums back and everybody's heard about Bruschi and Gronk, Gronk and the big headliners, but that's the point to have numbers back of, of alums feeling good about the program. You know, even though they went outside, Jed Fish doesn't have any hook to the U of A, but he's been able to extend out a net and bring these people back in. Sounds like a great thing. Yeah, and I think it's – we talked to Jed yesterday. I think it's going to be about 150 Ooh. alums. Yeah, which is going to be about 100 more than they've ever had there. Yeah. Uh, so it's a big deal. It is a big deal. We'll be there with multiple cameras because we're doing a feature on Arizona right now for our stories and the theme of family and what Jed has done to be a catalyst. Here comes Teddy Bruschi and Gronk as the coaches of the game, yeah. respectively, in air quotes, right? But Teddy's also on staff. Gronk is going to meet with the team and do a bunch of fun stuff. A ton of alum, you know, we've connected with in, in anticipation of the game. And think about the excitement. This team, by the time they kick off, this is not a fun stat, but by the time the BYU game happens, said they will have not won a game in 713 days. Just let that, that sink in. Like number, that sounds like a number Jed's aware of. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally. Assuming that's, I'm assuming that's motivation. <laughs> that is motivation. That is also perspective, I think, on where this yeah. program needs to go. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm excited for him. Because uh, think about the – be a player. And if you haven't won a game in that long, you don't get excited for practice. You're not excited for meetings. You're not inspired by guests that come to practice. But that's what this team is. Steve Kerr addresses the team the other day, and Pete Carroll jumps in midway through the Zoom and interrupts him. And they talk to the players about being pros. Think think about that just as an example, right, what this team is getting a taste of. And and Jed is doing stuff like that. They call it We Educate Wednesdays. Uh, Every team has their version of it. But he's really poured into these kids in a way, and this isn't disparaging against previous staffs, but in a way that no one else ever has in terms of the resources and the relationships that Jed has had at other levels in his career. I think around the alumni thing, Jed gave us his, his token line that he always says is, Hey, if you can only have success coaching your alumni, then Bill Belichick would be at whatever <laughs> D three college he went to. Yeah. And Pete Carroll would be at Pacific, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's not, it's not how it goes, but he did model his alumni strategy. He said around Steve Spurrier and what he saw there. I mean, Spurrier was a Heisman trophy winner at Florida. 
Right. Like that is the creme de la creme of alums as a head coach. And he yeah. saw how welcoming he was. And that's really where it all began. And, and Jed's on it. He's hitting all the right notes, but I'll tell you, it's, it's really authentic. Um, they have a, a phrase around there, which you'll hear a ton, which is it's personal. And that is about, Hey, it's personal that nobody is giving us respect to win. It's personal that, you know, I got to compete for this job. I need to develop personal relationships. Why Tommy Lloyd addressed the team the other day after practice. And he and Adia Barnes are going to flip the coin or be at the coin toss before the game. He's really on it, man. Like, I think it's a really cool blueprint for somebody when they take over a program and the things to do. And I'm glad you referenced that, yo, because that's actually, I just thought that, as you said, what a great connection because both Jed Fish coming in and Tommy Lloyd in men's basketball, you know, maybe, I mean, look, Arizona men's basketball has an amazing level of success, but maybe the, it's new blood and there's a little new electric jolt. That's a good thing. It's a good thing for everybody. It's a good thing internally. And I'm assuming it's a good thing externally too. the fan base. It's huge. And what Jed said was pretty cool. I didn't know this. He said, all of us are on five-year deals. Adia just got a five-year extension. He goes, so it's kind of cool. We're all like on the same timeline. So we're talking that way. Like, hey, let's do this thing together. Let's rebuild this thing in our own respective lanes, but collectively do it together in recruiting um, and just shared, shared knowledge, right? Mark Few is one of the greats. I don't care what sport it is. Yeah. Right? Th- think of all, to your point, of all these people's experiences. And I think for Jed, what's cool, we have a graphic for the game of the first year head coaches he's been around. Right. So oh. Dom Capers, year one. Pete Carroll, year one. Jim Harbaugh, year one. Al Golden, year one. It- it's pretty neat when you start thinking that way of, yeah, he saw it when it got going. And uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and Gus Bradley, year one. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that's a really cool stat. Uh, and his staff is awesome. Don Brown, Dr. Blitz, you know, he's really excited. Uh, Brennan Carroll is the OC. Uh, he's so thrilled to be there. It, it's going to be really fun for us to go call a game. We haven't been to Tucson in a while, bro. It'll be good. I mean, I've been, I was there, I don't know, what was I there, four times for basketball. I haven't done a football game with you in Tucson in like 17 years. Totally. So, totally. so tell Jed to work on that first, please. But I, but the last thing I was just going to say, you, another thing that just clicked with me there, Harbaugh. Now, Jed was must have been with him at San Diego, right? At Michigan. Or he's, oh, he's at, with him at, okay, when Jim had already established. But I'm thinking that what Arizona faces now in football is a little bit, to me, like what Harbaugh faced when he went to Stanford. Mm, good call. Which was that Stanford had played football forever and they had had some success, but it never lasted. They would have two years here, two years there, a year here, a year there, and it would dip. It would never be sustained. And what Jim started and David Shaw has built is, is unprecedented. My point is Arizona had the same thing. And everybody, not you, you're not old enough, but I remember I was in this conference when Dick Tomey had Desert Swarm going. And it was phenomenal. Arizona football was phenomenal. And the fans loved it. And, of course, we know that it, you know, it, it was Larry Smith, I shouldn't say. It was actually Larry Smith. And then Dick Tomey, it didn't last, unfortunately. That's what I'm thinking. So Jed Fish knows it can happen there. And now, this, now the trick is to see if you can do something like Harbaugh did at Stanford, which was start and allow it to be built upon after he leaves. So it's now lasted, what, 10, 12 years. Yeah. So just to follow up on that. Uh, what Jed said, I never heard before yesterday. He said, Arizona is the closest thing to an SEC school. I said, okay, tell, tell us what, the, what does that mean? He goes, football stadium on campus, basketball stadium right across the street, 
frat row, sorority row, right across the street from, from campus, surrounded by University Avenue. He goes, and it's a small college town feel and vibe. And the people who are there love sports. He goes, so now we just got to play SEC level of football. <laughs> and, which is very fair. Right? The roster we'll get to next week. We'll, 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 we'll digest the players that they have. Um, but I thought that was really unique. Like he's finding ways to get creative, right? And finding ways to say, all right, this argument's already happening over here around the spread offense, right? SC's got that handled. Uh, Rolo, their games this weekend, they kind of have that handled in the run and shoot. Who's got the pro style system in the passing game? Okay, that, that's going to be me. Who's talking this way in recruiting? That's going to be me. So he's finding his own lane, which I think you just have to appreciate. That's what the conference is, you know? So I, I can't wait. I, w- I wish you were coming with me, man, but I, I'll report back. No, and, and what I'm laughing at, so finish, as you say that about Tucson, the other thing I'm thinking is well, that's exactly what we've said for a long time about Corvallis, right? Well, what Corvallis says about themselves, now Tucson's bigger than Corvallis as a city, but that's that same kind of feel. Right, that yeah. college town feel that we appreciate. So, and the other thing we should do because we we love Rolo. So next week, let's do this, and you can give us the firsthand vibe from Tucson. But let's let's give uh, let's go to Pullman and find out what's going on there too. One hundred percent. I'm talking to him and his staff tomorrow, so uh, we'll we'll have some good info. We'll watch that game. That that'll be fun. Michael Bumpus is going to be on the call. Former great there. So tune into that one on the Pac-12 Networks. Him and Nigel Burton uh, will have that one covered. So that'll be cool. All right, uh, we're out of here. I got to go pick up my kid at school because physically he's at school right now here in Southern California, Ted. Amen. Express Pod this week. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Let's go. Peace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.